Hello, Sunday Night's Main Event listeners. Jason Agnew here, and we've got one of our podcasts that we do on a weekly basis for you coming up next. It is a free sample of The Old Fucks. Yeah, that's right. So it's All Elite Weekly, but it's my longtime co-host, Dan the Mouth Lavransky, along with his partner, Joe Aguinaldo. They are the old fucks parodying the young bucks, and they're giving you a dynamite review. So remember, each and every week, these guys get together to review dynamite. To get this podcast every week, just sign up at patreon.com slash S-N-M-E radio. You'll get this show and get daily shows covering the world of pro wrestling. So with that in mind, let's get into it. Dan Lavransky, Joe Aguinaldo, they are the old fucks reviewing Dynamite. Podcast, whether it's about professional wrestling, rock and roll, cooking, sweeping the floor, changing the litter box, motor, <laughs> every single time, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another edition of All Elite Wrestling Weekly here. I'm Dan the Mouth Lefransky, and as has become sort of, um, this is almost, <laughs> I, I love it. It's one of the defining characteristics of Sunday night's main event in that we like to play rotating hosts. So normally I would have Joe Aguinaldo here. In fact, I wasn't even here last week because I was at the Rampage tapings. So Joe's not here this week. So joining me, Matthew Ederer. I'm very happy. Uh, Matt sounds very happy and upbeat. He's had his coffee. He's excited. I think he's ready to talk about a pretty exciting um, episode of Dynamite. And I just wanted to get the motorhead in off the top. Iron Fist, that's one of their classic tunes from the album of the same name early 80s and uh just because you know we're, and we'll talk about it as we get there but hangman page he took the iron fist last night <laughs> and uh got the heavy duty concussion but just as we're starting here and this was a uh, mid-wednesday afternoon uh, i just heard matt that um he is okay and he has been acknowledged he seems to be all right he seems to be recovering well he's okay today so it'll just be the time of letting him heal before he can get back in there again Yes, yeah, good to hear that he does not have a neck injury. It is right. only a concussion. I mean, like it, you, you never want to see a man get a concussion, but compared to a potential broken neck, like we'll take we'll take only the concussion and hope he heals up soon. Yeah, best wishes to Hangman Page, of course. Man, the Iron Fist, indeed. You, it's, it's pretty fitting because Tony Khan might need more of an Iron Fist backstage oh! with AEW, too, right? Well, yeah. it, looks, it looks like, I mean, we can talk about this right now because you just made the great segue. He has used the Iron Fist, apparently, and uh, he's used the Iron Fist on the Man of Steel. Apparently, <laughs> Ace Steel has gotten the boot out of AEW. He has been released by the company. That's news that was just breaking earlier today. Uh, I can't say I'm super surprised by that, Matt. Uh, if he was one of the troublemakers, he's the easiest one to get rid of. No one cares. Whereas, uh, you know, eliminating the Bucks, Kenny, or CM Punk, um, even if it might be the right thing to do, is going to be hard because people want to see those guys. Ace Steel, I don't think anybody cares. 
Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, nobody's losing any sleep over Ace Steel being fired, except maybe CM Punk. But what a what a heat check. What a performance for Ace Steel over the last like few months of his wrestling career where he got onto Dynamite, said the F word on national TV, got in a backstage fight where apparently he bit a man and hucked a chair at another. And now he's probably out of the wrestling business forever. So <laughs> what a way to go out. Better to burn out than fade away, they say. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, to put some more rock and roll in there. <laughs> Absolutely right, though, eh? Like, it's it's true. The guy went out like a friggin' atomic bomb. <laughs> oh, my God. In heaven. Oh. Did he ever? Yeah. So it'll be interesting because they, they, they're kind of slowly mentioning the elite again. They're kind of slowly, like, I think CM Punk showed up in the Ring of Honor video package. So maybe this is getting resolved here bit by bit, Mouth. Well, see, I'm sure Ace Steel could take this to the indies. Oh, absolutely. Work this as his gimmick, you know, right? The, you know, (laughs) the dog face gremlin 2.0. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. He comes out biting you and uh, throws a chair at you. (laughs) That's funny. His, uh, you remember when they used to wheel out Sabu on the Hannibal Lecter journey? Yes. That's 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 right. The ace deal. That's right. uh, They'd have them all tied down. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Yeah, there you go. The Ace Steel, he's on the way. So there you go. So that was an interesting piece of news. Yeah, it really, you're right, though. Uh, Shivani did mention the Elite in the commentary this week. And I didn't catch that. He might have been in that montage. I didn't catch that. Um, wouldn't uh, yeah. surprise me. I'm like 99% sure I saw him because I was like, was okay. that punk? Like, just, just yeah. for a split second. But yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Well, let's get into the actual episode. We'll talk about some more news um, as we get to the end of the show here um, or ever or whenever Matt comes up with a good segue, one or the other. <laughs> uh, so let's start it uh, this in typical AEW style, starting right out of the gate with a hot match. And this is um, title Tuesday. Every match on the show tonight is a title match Four matches. So the, um, all of the matches get a lot of time. And, uh, and, and it's still allowed for some pretty fascinating promo segments as well. So we started with the trios title, which, again, this was one of the shows where it was really easy to kind of um, book the order of the matches. You know, trios title, women's title, ROH title, AEW title. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense to start the show with this one. I also would have accepted them starting the show with either Dalton Castle or Chris Jericho's entrance. That could open the show, too. But right. this, this makes a lot of sense just in terms of look at the six names, look at the fast-paced action you're yes. going to get, obviously, exactly. over the show. Exactly. Fast-paced openers always work. They they tend to grab you and get you right in there. And this and this was this was, you know, no different from these guys. You know, lots of crazy stuff. Death Triangle all diving at the same time to the to the best friends. It was the best friends against the Death Triangle, I guess we should say, who's in the actual match here. <laughs> yes. Um, and the uh, Death Triangle holding the titles here. So, yeah, all kinds of stuff. They did a three-man drop kick on Orange Cassidy at one point when he was sitting in the middle of the ring. Uh, the first pick and pick and uh, the Death Triangle are in control. And even during, like, that's, you know, it's so funny with pick and pick, especially if you're watching after the fact, because it's like, well, do I fast forward through the pick and pick? Am I ever going to really miss anything? But then it's matches like this. You go, shit, I got to watch the pick and pick because you just know you're going to miss something good if you don't pay attention. Yeah, the, the picture, uh, that, that, that's so funny. I, I do tend to fast forward the picture and picture. Really? Though. I, I pretty I pretty uh, regularly do. I was watching this one live this week, so I couldn't. 
But it is true, though, Matt, like a lot of them, it's it's easy. It's just one. The heel maintains control and then they switch it over once they get back to the show. That's what usually happens. But every once in a while, you'll get a match going and you're like, I can't fast forward. I, yeah. Something really great could happen in this match. You know, you know what, too? Uh, mouth, sorry to interrupt you again, but certain wrestlers have earned our picture in picture trust. Darby Allen, you can't turn away from him because the craziest <laughs> thing in the match might happen. Right, picture, picture. right. That's a good point. That's what you have to do. Make sure you're worthy of not getting fast forwarded. <laughs> yes. You can pick. Um, uh, yeah, again, so much stuff in this. Phoenix and Penta were hanging orange upside down. Pack drop kicks them. Um, Penta took two pile drivers in a row, one from Trent and one from Chuck. Um, this was interesting. I love this this wild dynamic in AEW of um, don't cheat. Uh, Pac went for the hammer as has been his gimmick lately, the ring bell hammer. But this time Phoenix gets in his face and actually takes the hammer away from him. So a little bit of tension there. Uh, Trent and Chuck did the storm, uh, storm zero on Penta for an ear fall. And the finish, it was Phoenix got Trent with that sit out pile driver and he pinned him. So the death triangle keep the belts you know, as I said, total fast-paced opener. Rather than me run through everything, you should just best go back and watch the match. Yeah, a great match. Uh, if not the best match of Tuesday, the second best to another one on this show that we're going to talk about in a little bit. But yeah, just awesome, awesome professional wrestling, fast-paced as all heck. I love this new Phoenix finisher, this like sit-out tombstone yeah. thing. It, it looks yeah. brutal. Yeah, yeah, it looks pretty cool. Uh, okay, so they had a quick promo package after this for uh, Moxley and Page's match later in the show. Moxley talking about coming back to Cincinnati because he left with nothing, and now he's coming back with satisfaction. Uh, he says, Page says, we've both been here three years, and we've beat up pretty well everyone here except each other. And Page talking about, uh, talked about being in that first ladder match with Moxley where they were fighting for the poker chip. And he said, who broke first? It wasn't me. They show the footage of him knocking Mox off the ladder. Um, Mox said in his hometown and arena, Page is taking nothing. Page said October 18th is my night. Okay, we went to commercial break. Uh, we come back. And Tony, Tony got a lot of work in this episode, man. Tony was everywhere. Uh, Tony was backstage with Jamie Hayter, Britt Baker, and Rebel. Tony said uh, Tony Storm versus Sheeta for the interim title was coming up, and you guys must be interested. Britt kind of just blew him off and said, nah, we're actually extremely disgusted that I am not, or Hayter is not champion. Uh, Hayter said by end of 2022, one of them will be champ. And she said Tony time was over. And Britt, Britt said, she, you later. And then they did the DMD. Yes. A couple little fun little puns there from DMD. Always love Britt Baker interacting with Tony Schiavone. It's always going to yes. be fun. Yes. Okay, so that does lead us into the women's title match here. Uh, again, Thunder Rose is still a champion, but until she comes back, we have the interim title held by Tony Storm, challenged by Sheeta. Um, this was great. I mean, this is two talented ladies. You know, they're going to work really hard, have a good match. Um, I like they played up the friendship between the two of them, and that then and and that as part of the story, and they shook hands at the beginning and stuff like that. Um. 
So, yeah, this was pretty good. Storm, you know, she uses the hip attack all the time. In fact, one time she used the hip attack to knock Sheeta right to the floor, and that was their start of the pick-and-pick pick, uh, section where Storm dominated for the whole pick-and-pick. Pick. Uh, there, there were several times in the match where they would just slow right down and give each other forearms just like the guys would, trading heavy shots back and forth. Um, Sheeta got quite a lot of near falls. Uh, because she wasn't actually winning the match here. Storm did the German with the high bridge for a near fall, which looked good. And then Storm got the Storm Zero to win and retain the title. And then Hater and Rebel Brit, they all come out to beat up on Storm, of course. And then Soraya came out and she attacked Brit Baker. And then Riho all of a sudden shows up, runs out, takes out Rebel and Jamie. Or, um, and she did a dive on Hater. And so that they, yeah, they used all this craziness at the end here for the return of Riho. So, you know what? Uh, I think that you could actually say Tony Khan maybe is listening to some of the criticisms of the women's division. What are the big, the big things? Lack of star power. Well, he's got Soraya uh, in there. He's giving uh, Jamie Hayter this kind of push, kind of elevation thing. Tony Storm. Uh, Britt Baker always getting my time, whatever, whatever. Also, where has Sheeta been? Where have Riho been? All these things are kind of being addressed. So we got Riho back. We got Sheeta back. We're getting some more stars in this women's division. Uh, I'm liking where it's at right now. We're starting to get some intrigue here. Yeah, you know, a lot of them now with things being a little bit more eased and relaxed after the last couple of years, it's, I think it's easier for some of them to travel and get True. in and be, be part of the show now. So I think he's definitely taking uh, advantage of that. So, uh, yeah, I'm interested. You th- is, uh, have we heard whether Soraya or Paige or whatever you want to call her is going to get in the ring? Is she yes. Actually- yeah. I think they, they kept saying like recently it was like maybe last week, all these stories came out that she was medically cleared. So to me, that means it's just a matter of when and not if, right. So do you think they put rush her in a program with Brit and put the title on her? Oh, put the title on her. I, I kind of hope not. They might. I, I bet you they wrestle, though, at the pay-per-view. It, maybe it's a tag match, but yeah, right. Soraya and Britt will yeah. be against each other in some form at the pay-per-view. Yeah, that's actually would be better to have a slower build, right? You know, and let them do that, some tags and other things, and then lead to the eventual big singles match, right, at a big show. Yeah, agree. Okay, so... um. This was another uh, pre-packaged thing here, what we saw last week with the Kingdom coming in to uh, AEW. Um, and then this, of course, was when Wardlow and Joe were out after their tag match. So uh, we see the footage of the Kingdom from last week with Maria and um, Taven and uh, what's the other guy's name, Matt? Uh, Mike Bennett. Bennett, right. Taven and Bennett. So uh, Wardlow says he has zero tolerance for disrespect he says so now we got to teach you a lesson and we can do it however you want collectively or individually either way we are going to hurt you joe says pick a title you see this as a golden opportunity with maria telling you this is your shot but in reality you are two men and you are given six million ways to die and you still chose the wrong ones uh yeah not sure what joe was talking about he's kind of in the uh, black Miro mystery world there. With that. <laughs> yeah. The uh, get Joe deep in the shadow realm on that one. Uh, yeah, man. I don't get this usage of Wardlow at Me neither. all. Me I don't neither. get it. 
Like if we'd have told you like when when he Wardlow power bombed MJF ten times, took that title, was getting huge reactions. If we'd have told you here's his next like six months or whatever, it's immediately feuding with Mark Sterling, then extended program with Jay Lethal, then Matt Taven and Mike Bennett. You'd be like, wow, that is a humongous waste of Wardlow. So that's it where is we're so at. strange. It is so strange for such a fantastic bill build and someone that you had the crowd solidly behind, even if he wasn't a great worker you had the people behind this guy like it's it's one of the biggest mysteries to me at least with mjf you know there was that there was a blip in the road and there was the conflict and the contract issues and all that this it's nothing it's like why did have you not been pushing this guy to the moon why did he not instantly get put in the title picture or something like it's so even if you just did one big shot at the title and you're done or something though it's like fooling around in tags and beating up security guards like really yeah he is just stagnated like this is a big misfire for AEW. the usage of wardlow in my opinion but they're still doing a lot of great things they're elevating a lot of people but they just have missed the boat on this guy they did because and, and it's it's so weird because they built him up he's homegrown talent really right they made him with that program with MJF. So, yeah, I don't understand why they have just cooled him off. Well, not cooled him off, put him in the friggin' deep freeze. Yeah, jeez. So. Yeah, cooled him off if they're, if they're lucky. Uh, okay, so next up, uh, we had Rene Paquette with FTR. Rene said they've been having a great year. And uh, do you plan on expanding your collection of belts? Obviously, meaning the AEW titles, because they have pretty well everything else. Um, Dax said, Renee, you were there for the last decade. All cash and I have wanted is to be the greatest tag team of all time. He goes, I don't know if we'll ever reach that, but I would say that 2022 was a good starting point. He goes, we have these titles. He goes, but there is a big target on our backs, but ultimately target or not, we want that fourth set of belts. The AEW titles are the ultimate goal. Uh, Cash says 2022 has been our best year ever, but at the end of the day, we have to have the AEW titles and be two-time champs, and we are the number one contenders. Now, at that point, they are interrupted by Swerve and Keith Lee. Swerve says, you have strange priorities. You have all these other companies' belts. Now you want the AEW belts? He goes, no. He goes, we deserve to be number one contender, not you guys. And Lee uh, blows up, and he's, you know... It's like, all right, all right. He apologizes to FTR. Swerve's like, don't apologize. And Lee's like, no, no, they're good. They deserve it. He says, the last few weeks, you've proven you deserve a shot. He goes, but we do too. And Dax says, yes, you do. And I respect both you guys. And he proposed that next week, FTR versus Swerve in our glory for the number one contender status. And Lee just looked and said, indubitably, and left. Swerve was confused. And Dak said, this is our house, bitch. <laughs> Did like that. I love Swerve on his way out giving a good wait. What? What? Yeah. And walked yeah. out. I, I like Swerve's uh, obvious heel character in this babyface tag team. This was good. This is a very exciting matchup. Something about it. I think it's FTR. We haven't really seen him against many bigger guys. They usually match up against cruiserweights, smaller guys, Young Bucks, Gargano, Ciampa etc right so it's it's briscoes it's very interesting to see them against a keith lee i wonder how that match is gonna look right and they can also right. beat the shit out of swerve so 
Um, and do you see this as the beginning of them heading in that way? Like, do they are they successful here, and do they get the shot with the acclaimed and win the other set of belts? I do. I think so. I saw it in the acclaimed promo on this show. I was like, oh, oh, like the acclaimed. We might have already hit the ceiling here. Like we're already kind of getting a little stale. It's a little one note. You know what I hope happens? I hope FTR fucking smashes, smashes the acclaimed squash them in two minutes. Decisive tag team title. The crowd would. I, I, I'm not even saying like you could tell the story like the acclaim just weren't ready. They were reveling in their success. They were drinking too much. They were whatever it is, but you don't have to do it in a way that buries the acclaimed, but you could do it in a way that just helps prop up this FTR. The crowd has been so thirsty for them to yes. get the AW tag yes. team titles. I'd have them crush the acclaimed, crush them. Ah, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know, Matt. You, I think they've got, I mean, it, it may it may have seemed like a one trick pony, but I think they have something with the acclaimed, and I don't know if you'd want to squash him quite so quickly. Um, I still think they should ride the wave a little bit, unless it drastically takes a nosedive. But I don't know. I, I I don't I don't know if the fans would like seeing them get squashed that quickly, even if it was by FTR. Might be a little too early. Maybe maybe by the time of the pay-per-view, we can revisit. I'm just saying. Well, if I, if, I mean, yeah. I mean, the pay-per-view is still a month away, right? So that's actually would be a very good sign. Like, that would be a good way to judge. You've got about a month to play around, see what happens. Are they fresh still? Are people still popping big? Yeah, and see what happens. Because you're right. I mean, uh, you know, Joe has been, you know, yammering at me for months that after uh, years, I would even the last year or more about FTR not having the tag belts. Right. So and it is it does seem pretty weird to have every other promotions except the one you're in. Yeah, it does. It is pretty weird. That is one way to put it. But it is finally being addressed. And yeah, that's just that's just what I would do. I'm not even saying it's the smart thing to do. It's just what I would love to see. Uh, okay, so we had a break after that. Uh, we get Alex Marvez. He's backstage with Sanjay Dutt and Jay Lethal and Darby Allen. Uh, Alex says uh, Lethal and Dutt asked for this time with Darby, but of course AEW would only say yes if there's no physicality. Lethal says, Darby, I want to tell you face-to-face that I want a rematch, and you beating me two weeks ago was a fluke. He goes, I am to prove to the world and my friend that I can beat you anytime I want. And Darby says, geez, all this for a rematch? He goes, yeah, I beat you last time, and I'll beat you in a rematch. And then you'll want another rematch again and again. And then Sanjay jumps in and says, we know your weakness, and it wasn't us that came up with it. A good personal friend of ours let us know what Darby's weakness was. He goes, now that I'm up close, you look like a trash bin. And Darby Darby told Alex Marvez, you better get out of here. Uh, Lethal got in his face. Darby pushes both of them. They attack him. They beat him up. They close this giant garage door on Darby's midsection. He's lying flat on the ground, and they bring the door right on top of his gut, and they beat him down while he's trapped in the door. Lethal even put him on the figure four on the one side of the door. So this was the big beat down here on Darby to continue that program. No sing with them, though. I'm not sure why, but there was no sing. Oh, good call. Yeah, yeah, he was not there. Yeah, the figure four while trapped in the garage door was a spot. This reminded me of yeah, like, a, I like an it. 80s. Yeah, it was so it, fun, right? Like it an was 80s totally old horseman style. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Style. Yeah, 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 totally. Uh, okay, so 
Now, okay, so here we get into this now. Here we get into, like, in terms of the promo storyline. Here's the core of this week's episode. Oh, my. And an amazing performance here by both of these men. Um, I guess I'll just go through, maybe just jump in whenever or, yeah, I mean, this was a lengthy piece of work here. But Tony's out in the ring. He's got William Regal. They had advertised earlier in the show that he was going to talk with William Regal. Um and Regal, you know, they're out there, and Regal literally got to say nothing, and MJF's music hits right away. Regal doesn't get to say anything. Uh, and MJF just makes his way down to the ring. And did you notice, Matt, by the time t- um, uh, um, MJF got to the ring, Tony was gone. He didn't even uh, stick around to be brushed off. He was gone. Um, that's That's funny. I did not catch that. Good call. Uh, so MJF saunters in. He said to Regal, I'm here to talk, not to fight. Put the brass knuckles away because Regal had slipped the brass knuckles on his hand as uh, MJF was coming down to the ring. Uh, um, MJF says, I'm going to tell you a story. And this is another great example of how AEW likes to work in reality with the story. He goes, I was 19 and training for a year at the Creative Pro Wrestling Academy. And one day I get pulled aside by my trainers, Pat Buck and Brian Myers. They say, congrats, your hard work paid off. You get WWE extra work. He goes, it was the only show in town. It was an opportunity, and that was all I needed. So I put on my best suit, and I drove to the Barclays Center. And he said, the extras were put in a group, and we were spoken to by none other than you, Sir William Regal. And you told us we were all going to go to the ring for tryout matches, Uh, You had us first fight single opponents, and my match was second. He said the first match was two young dreamers, and Arn Anderson's watching, Dean Malenko, Adam Pearce, and Regal all watching. He said they rang the bell, and they locked up, and Dean Malenko said, get out. So I guess guess Malenko tossed the two guys in the first match. Um, So MJF said the pressure was on. He goes, I got in the ring and I knew I was fighting for more than a contract. I was fighting for my life because William pro wrestling is my life. And he's just screaming at that point. He said, after the match was over and I was victorious and soaking with sweat and you all looked at me like I had eight heads. He goes, you pulled me away for the group and said, follow me. We went to a separate room and you said I had three minutes to sell myself. And boy, did I. And by the time I was done talking, your jaw was on the floor. He goes, and then you said, kid, I'm going to get you a job here today. He goes, and then what happened? He goes, at that moment, I realized that I had did it. I was no longer being looked at by all the naysayers as a five foot nothing ADD real Jew boy. No, I was going to be a superstar. And the crowd's with them here. You know, uh, he was certainly not. You know, the crowd's loving this story of him triumphing, right? They're they're cheering at this point. He goes, I had done it. My dream was accomplished. And then with that crooked grin, you asked how old I was. And I said, 19. And you looked at me and said, I was much too young. And my heart stopped and my dreams evaporated. And he takes a little bit of a pause here. He just kind of lets it settle in. And he goes, but then you resuscitated my dreams by saying, I don't like to put my name on many people, but when I do, they get jobs. And he goes, the list is small, but as follows, it's Claudio Castanoli, Brian Danielson, and John Moxley. 
And he said, when you come of age, I will personally put my name on yours. But until then, I want you to work your ass off and send me a match and a promo. He goes, so I went home and I busted my ass. He goes, month number one, you say, thank you, Maxwell. I look forward to reviewing your progress. Month number two, you say the same thing. Month number three comes along. You sent me a promo that I'd saved on. You sent me a promo that I have saved on my phone until this day. And Regal is really smiling at this point. Obviously, I guess, knowing what he's talking about. And MJF says, yeah, go ahead. Smirk all you want, you son of a bitch. You sent me a promo I have read every day since. And he goes, let me read it to you. Max. I'm a very, very busy man. I've got talent from all over the world to watch, and I just had to sit here for several minutes watching you, and he put this in quotations, show me your acting skills. He goes, do not reply to this, but how would this make me say, let's hire Max? He goes, make your uh, name for yourself in the wrestling world, and you'll get noticed. He goes, that means being a high-end performer, and trust me, I will know. Fortunately, the game has changed for you, and the WWE exclusively hires the best talent in the world and top-class athletes. And when you're one of them, send me your stuff. Yours sincerely, William Regal. And he paused once again here to let it all sink in. And he looks at Regal, and he says, that's the message you sent a 19-year-old with a dream, and you squandered it. He goes, this is real life, goddammit. Um, he goes, it, that line reminded me of that old fan of footage, you know, that it's still real to me. <laughs> um, he goes, when I read that email, I wanted to quit wrestling and quit my life. He goes, look at me when I say this, that email made me want to kill myself. And again, he pauses to let it sink in. He was really great with his timing on this. And, um, he's staring at Regal and then he goes, but then I realized if I did kill myself, you and all the naysayers would win, and I couldn't let that happen. He goes, now here we are, and the tables are turned. It's 2022, and you're nothing but a sad, withered old man who got fired. Regal still, with a big grin on his face. He goes, you got fired, and now you have snuck into my company like a flea-ridden rat by sticking to talent far better than you ever were, like a succubus. He goes, I'm MJF, the 26-year-old on top of this business. I am generational talent. I'm the man that your former employers now would take several lives simply to get me to put pen to paper in the bidding war of 2024. He goes, I read that email every day. Not to put a chip on my shoulder, but whenever I need a good hearty laugh. Because that's what you are to me now. Nothing but a joke. And I'm about to become the AEW world champion because I'm Maxwell J. Friedman and I'm better than you and you know it. And the crowd cheered. The crowd cheered after he finished this part of the promo. Uh, so Regal gets to respond. Anything you want to jump in here, Matt? Anything? Uh, yeah, well, I just want to say doing a great job uh, summarizing this right now. And man, like this, I've never seen a promo like this, like he was talking about some real, real shit here. This yep. was obviously yep. very real. And the crowd, like you said, they like, not that I turned MJF babyface, but it was so good and so heartfelt. Nobody in that crowd could bring themselves to boo. Like you couldn't boo this man after that promo and have a beating heart inside of your chest. You know what I mean? It's weird. It, it, 
does it lead you to think that they would actually be turning him heel? Or is it just the very nature of this that whole like Austin, where he's so good at being the heel yeah. that you're eventually cheering? That's what it's going to be. And like, uh, I, I think, think so. The crowd, yeah. the crowd's going to be the one to turn him, I think. Exactly right. And if if uh, if they do get CM Punk back at some point, I think it's pretty logical to think that CM Punk would be a heel. I don't think the AEW crowd's going to like him very much. They'd be a very interesting turn on their feud. MJF babyface versus heel CM Punk. I could see that happening if Punk is healthy and coming back. Okay, so after this, after all that, you know, Max has laid it all out, how Regal had part of his past and not getting a job at WWE Regal finally gets to respond uh and he starts off by saying you know you mentioned being 19 and being a child he goes well I left home at 16 and got work in the carnival and was having to fight grown men to get into this industry he goes I wasn't casting you aside Max I saw then exactly what I'm seeing now and it's making me happy I saw somebody who was going to be a big star and I wanted to light a fire under your backside because we live in a day and age where you can't have grown men smashing your face in when you're 16 and 17 and you're crying every single night when you go to bed and there's blood running out of every hole in your body and you want to quit, but you won't let yourself. I will not quit because I am going to be a professional wrestler. And if it took a bloody email to get you to this place and you held on to that for seven years, he goes, you've had it easy, sunshine. Takes a break here. Let it sit in. He goes, you have had it easy because you mastered something you seem to have forgotten. He goes, we spent several times together where I told you this is what you need to get good at. That every time you brush your teeth, You need to stand up there and talk into the mirror and practice so people take notice of you every time you pick up a microphone. He goes, I could see what a talent you were. I saw it against young Wheeler Yuta last week. He goes, you're 26. He goes, before you were even born, I was insulting Mr. Shivani. He goes, I was beating people up, but I would never lay lay a hand on him. This was interesting what he went into here. He goes, I'm what they call an ODV, an ordinary decent villain. Anyone who steps in the ring is fair game, but you don't put your hands on people like Mr. Shivani. He goes, I wanted to be where you are. I knew you had it in you, but the only problem is you let me down because you took shortcuts. And he's, you know, he's talking about him putting his hands on Shivani there a couple weeks ago. Um, He goes, you haven't done anything to prove anything to me. He goes, just because you're making lots of money doesn't prove anything to me. You hire to do your bad work for you, talking about the faction that works for him. He goes, you wear a ring to knock people out. He goes, I didn't need a ring. He goes, when I use these, and he pulls out the brass knuckles, he says, I just like hitting people with them. He's he's like, don't take shortcuts. If you want to be the devil, earn it by doing it right. Beat everybody in front of you. He goes, I don't care what liberties you take with opponents. If you want to be the devil, show the world right now. And Regal slowly turns around and faces away from MJF. And then he says, or are you going to take another shortcut and come out here acting the victim and whine and cry? And MJF's getting mad. He puts the diamond ring on his finger, but he does not take the shot. Regal turns back around and said, 
you still have a lot to prove. And uh, MJF left. Just just mind blowing stuff like we throw around so many, uh, you know, grandiose statements, hyperbole out the yin yang on the Internet in 2022. So I don't want to I don't want this to get like lost. But like, I truly think this is one of the greatest promos I've ever seen on a wrestling show. At least it was one of the best examples of acting I've ever seen on a wrestling show. One of the best examples of, of using real life to draw in actual human emotion. This is what professional wrestling at its highest level was supposed to be about in my eyes. Anyway, this was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Cannot say enough about it. Genuinely one of the best promos I have ever seen. Yeah. There's, there's no doubt. uh, You know, I was thinking about this today, you know, we're getting to the end of the year, best in the worst, best promo of the year. Like, yeah. I think it's a tie with these two right here. Like this, this, I don't see how anything this year comes, anything remotely close to this. The fact it was intelligent, it was captivating, I, it was suspenseful. Um, you kept thinking, and especially once Regal got started and you're just like, wow, where is this going? And then when he turned around and he dared MJF to take a shot, I'm just like, and MJF doesn't do the typical thing and cork some. It's like, it was yeah, the whole thing was just laid out so well. And both guys delivered it flawlessly. Like, talk about the delivery here was just like pausing at the right time consistently to let things sink in with the crowd, not really getting distracted by the crowd. Um, uh, yeah, just amazing from top to bottom. Like, so captivating. And yeah, you, you so, yeah, so want to see where it's going next. Exactly. And there's so many places that it can go. But yeah, two masters at work with a genuine, legitimate, real, deeply heartfelt issue, getting time to talk about it and work it out in a way that both makes sense to the story of professional wrestling, but also to the very real situation in their actual life. So just brilliant. Just absolutely flawless professional wrestling here. Amazing. I mean, this is a search out. If you didn't see this, you got to go see this. Like, go I'm now. Sure it's online somewhere. You have to hunt this down and watch it if you missed the show this week because it was uh, amazing. Yeah, just, just, uh, just a banger, banger, banger segment. Ten out of ten, five star segment. Okay, so we had a break after that. We come back with a quick video package to promote the ROH title match between Dalton Castle and Jericho, which is coming up next. This is funny. They said it was coming up next after you sit through three promos or so. Um, so they're showing they're showing all the old champs. This is where you thought they showed punk. I think I they, for a little cup of coffee. I think there was a okay. couple frames of CM Punk. Back, in here. I have to go back and check that. Um, Jericho says he will beat every Ring of Honor champion. Um, they show footage from Dalton's promo last week where he called him dishonorable and a silly little goose. Dalton said, it's not fair to Ring of Honor or the fans, and I have to do something about this. Uh, we go to with Renee, who is backstage with the acclaimed and uh, Daddy Ass. She says, everyone wants a piece of them, including Mark Sterling. Daddy Ass says, yes, they want to stop with the millions and millions, kind of playing on the rock there, uh, are doing at home. And he said, that's scissoring. And Bowen says, this Friday, it's the acclaimed against Tony Nese and Josh Woods. Titles versus trademark. Uh, we're going to get back to scissoring because everyone loves the acclaimed. And then Caster said, Sterling, you want to get involved in what we got going on? He called him Shark Sterling, and he's going to get his nuts stomped, I think he said. 
So there you go. <laughs> yeah, it's, this was the promo where I was like, oh, yeah, acclaimed. Yeah, it was, not, a you know what? It was not their greatest for sure. Right. I agree. It was not one of their their greatest promos. And I mean, a match with Tony Neese and Josh Woods. I mean, you know. Ooh, you're going to lose the scissoring? I don't think so, right? No, yeah, that's that's about as safe a bet as there has ever been in the history yeah, of Yeah, exactly, wrestling. yeah, exactly. All right. Uh, so there's another break there. Uh, then we come back, and it's Renee again. This time she's with Brian Danielson and Wheeler Yuta. So they're both sitting there. She's asking Brian about losing the Ring of Honor title to Jericho last week. Brian said losing is never fun, and that championship means so much to me. It's part of the wrestler that I've become. Uh, she also asked about Daniel Garcia and what went down with him. Brian said he had high hopes for him. Uh, he sees him some. He says I see someone like him, not as the next Brian Danielson, but someone who could surpass things I've done from a technical wrestling standpoint. He goes with the right guidance. He could be the best wrestler we ever see. Renee asks Wheeler, I can't help but notice your face as Brian talks about Garcia. Because, yeah, Wheeler Yuta was definitely playing it up here and showing the, the kind of disgusted face while um, Danielson uh, praised Garcia. Uh, Yuta says, the best wrestler ever? And he says, how could you not see what was going to happen last week? He goes, me and Claudio saw it a mile away. He's clearly using you. He has the Dragon Slayer in his entrance video. He was using you to get what he wants. He's a snake. He goes, I thought when I bled for the BCC, it meant something. He goes, it means something to Mox. He goes, it means something to Claudio because he agrees with me. He gets it. He goes, doesn't mean anything to you, though, clearly. And he leaves. So I guess I don't know if we're getting Wheeler Yuta heel turn look like here from this. Yeah, this is this is kind of interesting, but I don't know. I was pretty unsatisfied with the way the Daniel Garcia stuff played out. I get the explanation, but I just don't think it's a satisfying turn for the story to take. So what I, you thought it should have been done and over and he breaks completely from the JIS or what? Well, but now that they're doing this Wheeler Yuta thing, now I'm a little bit back in. Originally, when I saw that in Toronto, when he just like took forever to actually hit uh, Danielson with the title and then finally did, I was just like, oh, really? So that just it felt like a cop out of the story. Right. It felt like they got to a point where they could have actually elevated Garcia, but they just thought it was too early. So they're just like, oh, we got to keep this going. You know what I mean? But now that yeah. this Wheeler Yuta thing, there's, there's still more story to tell here. There is still more meat on this bone. So it's it's the it's the, the Pacino Godfather freed me mouth. Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back. That's in. right. So you <laughs> thought the one the one angle is is dragging too long and the other one's happening too fast. Yeah, yeah, exactly yeah. right. But yeah, now it's it, it kind of seems like they're finally kind of merging them in a way that will be satisfying. We shall we shall see for sure. Yeah, you can tell with the Garcia one it, exactly. Obviously, they wanted it to carry on. I don't mind it, especially in that kind of betrayal story because it gives it a bit more of a realistic drama because that's really how a person would be. They would be completely torn. They're not just yes, instantly I turn to the evil yeah, side. Yeah, you're, you know you're I mean? right. You're going to be torn, right? And I, I kind of like that with this one, they've portrayed that part of it. It's like, oh, man, I hate this, but eh, when it comes down to it, I like being part of the group, and I like winning, you know? Like, so it's that conflict, right? Yeah, 100% agree with that. And yeah, and Wheeler Yuta's motivation and his character makes 100% sense here, too. So, yeah, right. I'm, I'm with it. I'm with it again. 
Okay, so this did lead into the ROH title match. So Jericho defending against Dalton Castle. We get all the Ring of Honor trimmings. Bobby Cruz does the ring announcing. Ian Riccoboni joins the commentary team. No, Caprice, though. I want Caprice Coleman. I like yeah, that. he's awesome. Riccoboni's good, too, but I like I, I like Caprice more. Yeah, he's, um, yeah, you know, we, I mean, I guess it depends. I don't know what. Khan's plan is for ROH. I don't know if he knows, but you know, maybe with this match, it would have been nice if they just let uh, Ian and um, Caprice do it by themselves. Oh, that's interesting. I guess yeah, it is. It is AEW, not Ring of Honor, so they're gonna want Excalibor there. At but least that'd be one cool. of them. I yeah. guess they're gonna yeah. want maybe at least Excalibur. Yeah. No. Okay, so I love this. <laughs> the only member to accompany Jericho is Jake Hager, and he's wearing the purple hat. I love that he was, he's what they've done with him in that purple hat. <laughs> it is a fun accessory. And it it is. It's just the... one of those good, goofy heel things. Like, I love the hat! You know, it's just ridiculous. <laughs> and it's part of his character now, as we yeah, would see later yeah. in the match. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, Dalton, of course, he comes out. He's got four boys with him. He's doubled yeah. up on the boys here. And uh, what's what's uh, correct me if I'm wrong on this. You're you're the rock. Uh, you're the rock master around here. It's a it's a takeoff of Radio Gaga, right? His theme song. It's a takeoff of something. Yes, it's close to Radio Gaga. Yeah, 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 it is. Yeah, it's yeah, it's definitely that. Yeah, kind of like Queen or something. Yeah, right. right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So Dalton wants to do the, you know, handshake of honor here. Uh, and he, he's he's about to do it. And then all of a sudden, he just sticks his hand down his trunks and just rumbles around with the gentlemen, with the boys, just freaking, <laughs> you know, exaggerates it incredibly and pulls it out. And he gives the middle finger to Jericho. So that's how we get things started here. Uh, there was there was the crazy spot where Dalton actually threw the boys like missiles at Hager on the outside. It was very crazy. So uh, funny. He yells to the heavens, bring me a boy. And then yeah. a boy appears in the yeah. ring and he throws him like a missile. I love it. Throws him at Hager. Yeah. So um, Jer- uh, the first pick and pick shows up here. Jericho's in control. Um, The boys outside, they're beating down Hager. They actually grab his hat and Hager just loses it. He beats them all up and he's like, gets the hat back and they just lunges at the camera and goes, I love the hat. Like he, <laughs> the idea that he beat up all the boys just to get the hat back. That was pretty funny. After the legitimately emotionally heavy promo, that was the MJF uh, William Regal thing. I felt like I needed a cigarette after that. This match was the perfect, right. the perfect follow-up. Right. Just yeah, a little bit of comedy, but yes. it was a good wrestling match. Yeah, especially exactly with a gimmick like Dalton's, right? Like it was. It was perfect. They could have some fun. Yes, um, yeah, this match was so much fun. That is the word. Three letters, F-U-N. This match was a ton of fun. I love how Dalton has a choke submission called the Julie Newmar. I thought that's amazing. <laughs> Do you know who Ju- you know who Julie Newmar is? I, I've definitely I've definitely heard the name. Is it is she like she's like an old actress? Yeah, she's an actress from the 60s. She was one of the women that played Catwoman on the Batman TV show in the 60s. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. I just Googled yeah. her. Yeah, there she is. That's amazing. Yeah, real pinup style. Yeah, girl, absolutely. Right? Yeah. So yeah, there she is. There she is as Catwoman, yeah. rocking it. Yeah. Uh so, yeah, I love that they used that submission on Jericho, but Jericho got out of it and got him into the walls, but Castle eventually makes it to the ropes. Dalton did that crazy airplane spin 
thing that he does, which also has a weird name, but I can't, it escapes me what the name of it is. His finisher? Well, when he spins him off his head, kind of like an air, like it's, he starts as an airplane spin, then kind of throws him in the air. Uh, I don't know the name of, I, I don't know if I, it's the same thing you're referring to, but the, his finisher's called the bangerang, but yeah, no, his, uh, I, I don't oh, know. Oh, no, maybe, I'm not sure. But he tried that, he got a near fall, and then it was, the ending was weird. It almost seemed like the Judas effect kind of came out of nowhere, but I think that was what they were trying to do. I think that's what the idea was, because they were kind of spinning around each other, and all of a sudden Jericho just got the Judas effect really quick, and, um... Dalton goes right down and he pins him and he keeps the title. Yeah, I think, yeah, because a couple people have kicked out of the Judas effect in the last couple of weeks, which no, or the last couple of months, which nobody had before. Right. So I think they're they're putting it over again as that flash KO kind of finisher. So, yeah, yeah. I this was great. This was the best match on the show. I really, really enjoyed this. It might show up on Boris and I's uh, year end list right near the near near the end of it. But this was right. great. I loved it. Uh, so after this match, the uh, JAS all come out. Jericho joins him. He says he's yelling, "All honor the Ocho." Uh, and he said, "I'm. I told you I was going to desecrate the legacy of Ring of Honor, and I'm doing it." And Ring of Honor champs out. Ring announcers done. He goes, even Ring of Honor commentators. And they go over and they grab Ian Riccoboni, and Jericho's going to cork him with the belt. But then Jerry Lynn runs out from the back because he's one of the guys that works backstage in AEW. And Jericho grabs him, flips him upside down, and gives him a tombstone pile driver on the belt. But if you watched it, he protected Jerry Lynn really good. Jerry Lynn's head got nowhere near the ground. So he gives him the tombstone pile driver on the belt. Uh, so Jerry Lynn, former Ring of Honor champ, was he not? Yes, sir. Yeah. Okay. Whoa. So I kind of feel like this was this was the match. This was the Jericho versus Jerry Lynn because I don't think Jerry Lynn. I this is no. I don't know. I have any information on this. I I just from what I remember and have read, I think his neck is too uh, messed up for him to oh, ever to wrestle do again. Anything. Right. Yeah. That's that's that is the impression that I have gotten. Although I, I would love to see Jerry Lynn one final match versus yeah. Chris Jericho. Yeah, that would yeah. be awesome if they can do it. Yeah. But if not, this is a this is a fine compromise. Him laying about with a friggin' tombstone on the stage on the belt. Right. I, I thought that yeah. was badass. Yeah. And he protected him huge because yeah, yes. that's the thing. You're right. He's always had the neck issues. So Jericho was in, was incredibly delicate with him, like he totally protected him. Yes. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I I um yeah, we'll see. Maybe that is it, or maybe they do do. Maybe they just do a quick match where he beats him quick or something. Yeah, if he's healthy enough to go for even five ten minutes, I'd love to see it. I hope that's where they're going. But I this felt like they, they're not. They don't need that's to do a match after right. this, right? Yeah. Right, 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 right. He you should just see Jericho with a list now, and he just checks off Jerry Lynn's name. <laughs> I love it. You can bring back. They the should list do of that. I don't know. I I think they should. The way they're talking, I'm surprised they don't. He should have a list with all the names and like have Brian Danielson crossed off and have Dalton Castle crossed off and have Jerry Lynn crossed off. Like that would be hilarious. And if you want to change it from the WWE gimmick of the list, obviously it's different anyway, but it is a little on the nose, of the list. Maybe it's a clipboard that like Matt Menard is holding. Can you not see that motherfucker right. with a clipboard right. screaming? Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like, yeah. Make one of the other guys, make one of the other guys keep track or something. Exactly. Okay, so after this, we had uh, a vignette with uh, Christian Cage and Luchasaurus. 
Uh, Christian says, everyone seems to think I've brainwashed Luchasaurus. He goes, but that's the farthest thing from the truth. He goes, I think it's obvious, Jungle Boy, as far as intelligence goes, Luchasaurus was the brains of this team. He goes, we are through with you and on to bigger and better things. And he goes, it's going to be gold from here on out. And if you have a championship, this is your warning because reality is about to give you a bitch slap in the face in the form of my right hand of destruction. And he pointed at Luchasaurus. So um, I guess, is that it with him and uh, Jungle Boy? Now, does, is Luchasaurus going to get pushed into the title picture with Christian as his manager? Uh, I, I don't know. Maybe. What title? Luchasaurus versus Moxley? Like, like are we going to see Luchasaurus versus yeah. Wardlow? I don't know. Yeah, it would have to be one of the lower tier titles, I would think, right? Luch- Luchasaurus versus Orange Cassidy is kind of something. That I could see that. Yeah, exactly. I could see something like that happening there. But yeah, no, it's it's really surprising to me, unless Jungle Boy got hurt as well, because I know Christian is injured, but I, I, I don't know what they're doing with Jungle Boy. Like, what's he going to do for the next six months waiting for Christian? Yeah, that's the thing. He, he's he, and there was no mention of him at all, right, on the show this week. So, yeah, other than other than in this promo where they said we're done with him. Yeah, that's that. what I mean. That's that, that the fact that they said that, and the fact that that's you know AEW is kind of known for these shorter feuds, right? Like when things do happen, they seem to wrap quickly. So I don't know. It seems yeah. premature for me, for sure, that they're done already. Same. I agree. Yeah, it's kind of a tough beat for Jungle Boy. I wonder where it's all going. Okay, after this, we had the promos for the show. So Rampage, the acclaimed versus the varsity athletes, titles versus trademarks. Uh, Penelope Ford takes on Willow Nightingale. Uh, Roosh takes on 10 from the Dark Order. And the FTW, the actually most worthless title in AEW, is on the line. Ooh, big deal. Hook uh, defends against Ari Davari. I hate that title. I just think it's so stupid. Yeah, it's pretty stupid. I do like Hook a lot, though. I am a Hook truther. I am on Team Hook. <laughs> uh, Dynamite, it's FTR versus Swerve in our glory to find out who gets the number one contender spot. We're going to get Riho against Jamie Hayter, and we're going to get Jericho and Garcia against Yuta and Claudio. Wow, that's an interesting one. Does Do we see Yuta mess with Claudio? Oh, man. Does Gar- oh, man. There are going to be a lot of people turning in that match. I don't know. There's going to be some <laughs> weird stuff going on in that. And we also get Brian Danielson against Sammy Guevara. Danielson versus Sammy has me intrigued. I like yep. this card a lot. Yep. I like I like this next week's card a lot. All four matches have something. Uh, okay, break. We come back. Uh, Rene is backstage. The baddies are looking for Jade. Who cares? Uh, <laughs> Jade comes in and says, where's my belt? Because, you know, it was stolen by Nyla. They say they've been looking for Nyla. They can't find her. Jade said that's because she's not here. How do you not know that? I don't know. I didn't know that. Um, they said they heard Nyla would be in Jacksonville for Rampage. Jade says, perfect, because I'm going to be there, too. In fact, I'm going to go to the ring and demand my belt. And she looks at the camera and says, Tony Khan, either you get Nyla Rose to bring me my belt because she's too much of a chicken shit, or I will hijack your show for 60 minutes. See you on Friday. Well, I know I definitely don't have to watch Rampage this week. <laughs> I'm, so you're I'm, saying... You will not be doing the Rampage Ramble with Boris this week. No, <laughs> no, no way. Uh, 
you know what? I'm not saying do this with Jade. Jade is not the person to do this with. But it would have been awesome, like Stone Cold Vince McMahon era, right. like 99 Sunday Night Heat, to actually have a character say they're going to hijack the whole show and actually hijack like the whole show. Like right. 60 minutes of Austin in the ring fucking with people, whatever. It would have been right. interesting to try that experiment. Well, yeah, best do not try it here, though. Do, <laughs> do not, try it here. not, for the love of God. All right, so that leaves us with the main event, which is John Moxley against Hangman Page for the AEW World Title. Uh, I mean, I, I'm sure everybody knew going in that these two are going to work super hard. If you were, if you're, you know, you, I always tend to check the clock at the beginning of big matches, and they had lots of time left in the show uh, before this match could come to an end. And in fact, you could tell that it was probably supposed to go on a little bit longer. Unfortunately, it did not. Uh, so yeah, I mean, this is a uh, great Moxley's coming through the crowd and this is, this is great. It's like, everybody knows he does that. So why not take advantage? So Paige just comes wailing through the crowd. They meet halfway and they just start brawling before they even got to the ring. Uh, Regal's on commentary, of course. And we get a lot of stuff here where they're not in the ring. And I never did get a point. I don't remember remember saying the match officially started. So I'm not even sure if they did that gimmick or do you like, did they, did you catch anything like that, Matt, where they, you know what I mean? Cause they started, yeah. they brought like crazy for the beginning of it. That's a really good call. I, maybe they rang the bell during the commercial break. Cause there was a pick and pick after uh, the huge moon. Yes. That yeah. uh, the friggin' hangman page. Right. I, I feel so bad for page. Obviously just in general, he got clocked and you know what I mean? You never want to see that, but th- this was be this was like the first half of an excellent wrestling match. There were just, they had an awesome little fight here. They were just getting going into the final stretch. And then the, uh, the horrible accident happened, but yeah, the, the first the first part of this match, specifically the crowd brawling into the moonsault, was just so hot. Just awesome stuff. Everybody was going crazy. Yeah, he went up one level from Mox and did a moonsault. And that, yeah, that led into the pick and pick. And they brawled in the crowd all through the pick and pick as well. Um, Hangman threw Moxley in the ring, but then Moxley just dove right back out at him again. So they're outside again. See, here in my notes, has the match started yet? With a question mark. Um, and sometime in the pick, I think it was in the pick and pick, Mox did color at some point in the pick and pick. Um, yeah, because he came back from, yeah, that was the first image we got back from commercial was bleeding. John bleeding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's it. Within five minutes, the guy's bleeding. Um, so yeah, Mox is doing like, you know, he's all bloody and beat up and then he's, but he's still on the ground going, come on, give it to me, bring it on, bring it on. And Moxley's gets the figure four and gives Paige the finger in his face while he's doing it. Moxley also bit him at one point. I love how Moxley does the back rake. He has brought back the back rake in a big way. It's almost a spot in all his matches now. Yeah. And back rake. They usually do it on the top rope too. Yeah. So that camera gets right in there. Yeah. 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 Uh, Moxley also did the foot stomp holding the wrists, just like Brian Danielson does. Um, they showed an empty sky box saying the MJF was up there, but he wasn't up there now. So they're kind of like, where is he? Uh, Page gave him a pile driver on the apron. That led into the next pick and pick section. Page got a half crab in the pick and pick, but Mox rolled out of it and he got a choke on Page, but Page got to the ropes. Um, They're fighting on top of the corner ring post when they come back from pick and pick. 
Page gets the fall away slam off the top there for a near fall. Um, and this is where we get to basically the end where they both uh, do killer lariats. Like uh, Page just comes in and gives uh, gives Mox a wailing friggin' lariat. And then Mox gets up and returns and gives Page the crazy lariat. And Page does the classic spin, try to do the, the 180 spin all the way around for the... Um, for the for the lariat and he came down and i guess he hit his face right as he came down and yeah. he was knocked out cold the referee referee turner was right in there could tell something could tell he was out right away so instantly got doc samson in there uh so they and turner stopped the match this after he samson said no we got to stop he's out and turner basically said yep that's it match called uh moxley wins by referee stock a stoppage uh, so he retains the title, which I think was supposed to be the outcome, probably anyways. Uh, so th- this at this point, they really start to focus on just the commentators on and Moxley. They're keeping the shot super tight. Um, they took um, Paige out, put him on a stretcher, stabilized him, got him ready. You saw none of that on the TV. None of that happened on the TV. They went back to the commentators. You know, Excalibur ran through the stuff for Rampage and Dynamite. Taz visibly upset by what he saw because he has yeah. a you know a history of neck injuries on his own. Yeah, you could tell this really kind of affected him. I think he was really worried uh, about Paige sitting up there watching this. Um, so they cut away from all. So once they kind of got him out of there, Moxley kind of picks it up with a promo here and they kind of fill these last few minutes. Moxley says he hopes and prays that Hangman recovers to walk, talk, play with his baby again and perform for all you fans. He goes, but this is a dangerous game we play and you have to have guts to play it. He goes, you got to risk it all. You got to put every single thing on the line every time you step in the ring if you want to be successful. And he goes, well, and since I'm on live TV and I got a lot of energy in me, he goes, earlier I was watching this little guy talk a lot of shit. And he goes, and I, I usually let him talk his shit because he's not worth breaking a knuckle on, which that's a good line. Uh, he goes, but the Yankees didn't go into extra innings and we have TV time left. So MJF, if you want to prove who you are, why don't you get your little suburban ass out here and we'll fight in Cincinnati right now. So MJF comes out. What the chip? He's got the poker chip and a referee. And uh, it's like, oh, my God, is he going to cash in the chip? Well, hard to say. He's wearing street clothes. He's not wearing wrestling clothes. But he gets in the ring. He does take his shirt off. Max goes up or Moxley goes up to him, gives him the double finger in the face and says, come on, come on, come on. Um, and and uh, Moxley rolls out. Uh, no, no, sorry. MJF rolls out and he gives the chip to Regal and he runs up the ramp for a mic. He said, you want to talk to me about cutting corners? You want to talk to me about being a man? He goes, the people know I'm a man. And Regal's grinning. And he goes, when I cash that chip in, he goes, I don't want you at 50% or right after a match. I want you at 100% and no excuses. I want to make sure when I beat you in the middle of the ring, there are no questions that I'm better than you and you know it. He goes, I'm cashing in the chip at full gear. And he's just screaming at me. He's like, look at me, Regal. Look at me when I talk to you, you piece of shit. He goes, for the first time in my miserable life, he goes, I'm going to earn it. So there you go. He's uh, he, he got him to give up the chip in the match at the pay-per-view. No surprise running. Uh, Regal's still grinning. 
Moxley responds and says, I'll tell you exactly what you're going to earn. You're getting the heel of my boot in your mouth. You're going to hear your teeth rolling around in your mouth down to your throat. He goes, you've earned my fist going directly up your ass, which I don't know if that was really the right kind of imagery to get in here. <laughs> Would not have used that line. Me neither, I don't think. Uh, he goes, your neck is going to get squeezed until your head turns pimple and pops like a Pez dispenser. He goes, you have earned a date with Destiny, a date with John Moxley, and the best wrestler in the world. You're going to find out exactly what you're made of, and I'm going to show the whole world that getting in the ring with me is as dangerous as hell. And that was basically it. The show basically ended right after that. So kudos to A, the referee, for stopping the match as quick as possible and getting help out there as quick as possible and getting Paige out of there and what seems to be the quick situation and it seems like he's on the mend already. So kudos for that and kudos to Moxley for doing that quick little bit of improvising, but still, because obviously the match was to end. MJF was to come out, I'm sure, and do that whole thing that they did. So at least they got what they needed and they set up the match for the pay-per-view. Yeah, yeah, but they did have to kill like a good four or five minutes that they weren't right. expecting to because, yeah, I think I think it ended at 9.51 they rang the bell, so there was still like 10 minutes of TV time to deal with. But yeah, this was this was an excellent Dynamite, unfortunate ending notwithstanding. Yeah, Honestly, right. One, one of my favorite Dynamites I can remember, like Jericho versus Dalton Castle is going to stick with me with for a long time, <laughs> as is Regal versus MJF. Those two things alone, like all-timer yeah. of a Dynamite. Yeah, that promo for sure is uh, going to live on in history. There's no doubt about that. It was so well done. Okay, so that's the show. We're, it's early in the afternoon, so we don't have any ratings or anything like that yet. But there are a couple other things that we can talk about here. We already talked about Ace Steel getting released. Jericho has apparently signed a new deal. His old contract would have been up in January, but not till 2024. And so... Uh, so I guess the original contract until the first week of January, and then he signed a new three-year deal and it will expire in January, 2026. So he's there at least until 2026. And apparently I heard something along the lines. He's going to have more backstage duties. Yes. Yeah. Uh, an added Breaking up fights. <laughs> exactly. Well, you need some security back there. That's right. <laughs> no, an added bit of responsibility for Chris Jericho. I think he's earned it, man. He's got such a brilliant mind for the wrestling business. He can yeah. obviously help the next generation. He's a great guy to have around as, dare we say, the Triple H of AEW. You know what I mean? Like he's at, or the William Regal or whoever it might be, right? He is he is a great man to have near the top of your wrestling company. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm sure. And and it's also a good way for him to start to slow down a little bit. Exactly right. right. Like, you, know, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, I mean, he's going to be, you know, he's he's into his 50s now. So, I mean, you know, he's going to it's going to be hard for him to be carrying on all the time with a lot of these guys, like younger guys in in hot matches. So I think it's a good way to also, you know, he can wind the career down in a good way and stuff like that. And and be helping people at the same time. And then when it does end, he's got something there to do. Yeah, exactly. And like you said, lots going on backstage in AEW. So I'm sure they could use the help in a lot of facets. Yeah. It's very interesting to see what's going to happen. We still haven't, you know, the ACE steel thing is the first real repercussion coming out of that whole thing. Uh, so, and as we said earlier, it's very easy to let him go. He really meant nothing to the promotion. Whereas the other four, 
are, you know, the guys you kind of wanted to build a promotion around. So I'm, I'm intrigued. I really am intrigued if punk comes back or not. I really am. Honestly, I don't know if he needs to be there. I don't know if he needs to be there. I think they have so much talent that they don't need him. Although I'm sure they can make a lot of money with it. If done correctly. I, I, I think CM Punk will be back. I think CM Punk will wrestle Kenny Omega in 2020, I've said that since day one. I'm not wavering now. They wrestlers and wrestling companies have gotten over far worse things than this. I'm not saying it wasn't bad. I'm not saying Ace Steel probably should have been fired. CM Punk definitely should have acted more maturely. And perhaps the Young Bucks and Kenny should have too. But yeah, this will this will be squashed. Hey, uh, cooler heads will prevail. I think they're going to wrestle next year. All right. Yeah, we'll see what happens. It definitely makes for an uh, intriguing story. But thankfully, they have the MJF thing. You got him back in place and you've got some a good story going on with that. And um, a lot of other stuff underneath that's interesting as well. Uh, all right. Um, anything else before we wrap it up, Matt? Any last thoughts on the Toronto shows from last week? Oh, yeah. Actually, well, before we do the Toronto th- shows, just while we're still talking about backstage stuff, there's this there's this. Uh, Confirmed story now that AEW is going to be doing like a backstage documentary style show talking about like basically doing what uh, the F1 show did. For, I was going to say, yeah. is it going to be like driven? It's going to be like driven. Then they're it's, just going to follow them around. And that's I think that's the exact blueprint that they're going to use. And apparently it starts filming very soon and it films for six weeks. It all talent have been given an option to take to like take part in it or not. So it's not like going to be forced upon them, but man, right. this is something I am tremendously excited for this to me needed to happen like 10, 15 years ago in wrestling ever since it's been very clear to everyone, all fans that wrestling is scripted. You know, no one thinks it's real anymore. This was the logical next step. I'm surprised it took so mm. long. And I think yeah. this could be huge. I think this could be huge for AEW. It we'll see, you know, it's hard. I don't know. It's, I guess it's going to depend on how far these guys want to go to talk about their personal lives and stuff like that. I don't know. I don't, it's a tough one. I don't see it working as well as say the formula one, uh, one and stuff like that. Uh, But then again, I mean, I've always been a huge fan of formula one. So, I mean, I, I thought it was amazing. I don't know if it can work with professional wrestling. Um, I guess it depends who you get. And how you approach it. And I guess, you know, what stuff that kind of happens. But it's hard to do with something like wrestling when it's so much of it is a work. Like, does the show really have any credibility when it's something like wrestling? Like, how do you believe this part's real and that part's could be like, you know what I mean? I don't know. Questions for me. That's that's especially never mind us, Matt, but the average person who doesn't know much about wrestling. Right. That's a really good point. But I do think there's a way to kind of educate the average person and kind of, you know, but like, do you, it doesn't really matter if people believe it or not. Like, do you believe the Kardashians or whatever? Like, how, <laughs> I don't believe Survivor, you know, like 90% of reality TV is scripted yeah, anyway. Sure. So. Sure. Well, it's interesting. I don't, I don't know if it's something I would do. I, I find it a, but then again, if it, if it can catch on like driven, like driven, driven, literally revitalized formula one, like exactly. it can, like it brought formula one 
uh, and most importantly, it brought it to America, which Formula One has been trying to do for fucking decades and never really <laughs> been able to pull it off. Well, it was also partially because there were no Amer- very few American drivers and the Americans have to have one of their own to root for. Right. You know, me, I like the international flavor of Formula One and that the drivers were from all over the world. Um but in the in the United States, you know, they have to have an American driver to make them make it interesting. So, you know, it's just yeah, it's 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 amazing what that show did. So, I mean, if he can pull off something that can get people captivate people like that did, then he's going to do well. But, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if people would take it seriously. I just think people would be like, ah, come on, it's all going to be fake. It's all going to be, you know, whereas you watch Driven and I think most people probably took it pretty seriously. Right, right. That's very interesting. I hadn't even considered that, but you might be right. It just it just comes down, like you said, to who they put on it and how good a job they do with it. So they have a chance, though. This this, this is a real chance to be something downright innovative in wrestling. This could, if done super correctly, if it hits yeah. its ceiling, this could be this could be a standard in the wrestling business from now on. Yeah, it's be very interesting to see how they approach it and how they, yeah, what they do to try to pull it off. Because it's, it's, I don't think it's as cl- cut and dry as doing it with, um, you know, football or F1 right. or something like that, right? Or basketball and stuff like that. So, yeah, we'll see. And the other thing, I guess it's funny too, is like, and I, I guess it wouldn't be an issue nowadays. I, I always just think, I guess I'm part, I still have that kind of old kayfabe attitude sometimes that I would think they would just be locked out of certain things and no, you're not seeing that or no, you're not seeing that. But in this day and age, and Tony Khan, the way he is too, he'd probably be like, you know, cameras everywhere in case a fight breaks out. (laughs) Right. No doubt. Well, yeah, that's the thing. Like Tony Khan, though, he's a lifelong fan and obviously has a ton of respect for wrestling. He might not have much care for that old kayfabe attitude he might not he might be okay with showing how a few of these magic tricks work you know what i mean and i that's kind of where i feel there could be some pull like like the old uh wrestling secrets show mixed with total divas or something you know what i mean <laughs> oh speaking of that have you managed to watch any of the um tales from the territories Yes, I have. I've seen both of the episodes that have aired so far. They've both been fabulous. I guess there was a third one, right? I haven't caught. Yeah, the third I've one. only seen I've only seen the first one, the Memphis one. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, for what it is, it's it's great. Um, it's you know, I mean, you got to again, you got to take it with a grain of salt because yeah. these guys are old school guys and they're prone to exaggerate and stuff like that. But a lot of them are stories that I have heard in the past as well. But uh, yeah, it's. I kind of like the approach of just the guy sitting around and telling stories rather than trying to do a documentary style thing, you know? Yeah, it's definitely it's just kind of like, yeah, like kind of like you're getting to be in the room while these guys are holding court, literally in a bar or something, just smoking cigars. And yeah, I was surprised at how lucid Jerry the King still is. Still seems like he's like whip smart, knows exactly what he's talking about. Uh, he's a pretty clever guy, that's for sure, right? You absolutely. Know, absolutely. Yeah, he's a very he's a very clever guy. But yeah, it was I enjoyed the first one. So what was the second one was what AEW? No, the second one was the second one was still Memphis, but it was strictly about Lawler versus Kaufman and their feud. And then I oh, think Oh, okay. Yeah, and then I think I heard the third one was AWA, but I haven't seen that yet. Right. Okay. Yeah, I, 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 that's what I heard. I heard that one of them was about AWA. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. So yeah, I think that's the most recent one, which either I, I think they drop on Tuesday, right? So I think that one is now out. If you're listening to this podcast, you could catch that tales from the territories on crave TV or wherever you're watching it. But uh, yeah, man, I, I very much enjoyed the show. Definitely check out the Kaufman one. That was, that was pretty solid. Oh, uh, see, I was just the right age when all that stuff happened. Eh? Like I was, I was so into Letterman. I would watch it every night regardless. Oh, right? that's didn't, amazing. Didn't matter who was on it. And, uh, but I'd heard it cause that, that believe it or not, like to, just to show you how popular it was, that was making the news. Like Kaufman would be on the news that many news outlets would use it as a fluff story as here's this crazy comedian that's wrestling women. So it was right. out there. And then when they did it on Letterman and I, I've always, I can't remember if I'd heard, I think I had heard that Lawler was going to be on Letterman and I thought, Hmm, I should watch it. And then, yeah, I just, just watching it, like just watching it that night. Me, of course I got it right away. I'm like, Oh yeah, that was all bullshit. They're just setting yeah. something up for Memphis. But yeah, you could tell that Letterman and a lot of other people were like, Whoa, cause this is, this is even before the expansion, right? This is, this is 82. This is long before uh, McMahon is expanding and Hulk Hogan's all over the place, right? This is still when wrestling's kind of not really on the map at that time, you know? Yeah. Three years before the first WrestleMania and it was before even David Letterman himself had broken out. I'm sure they were pumping their own tires a little bit. It was, they were saying on the show. Yeah. They were saying on the show that it kind of helped David Letterman's like kind of, well, you know what I would give, I would say that's a tad little bit yeah. of polishing their own horn there. <laughs> um, I would say, I don't, I don't, I certainly don't remember that way, but then again, I was already watching, like I was hooked. I, I, I even caught like, I don't know if you know, but he started out, they gave him a morning show that he was on from like 10 till noon on NBC. And he did the same kind of show that he did at night. Like it was all really bizarre comedy and weird stuff. So it didn't last long during the day. And then they gave him the late night slot. And the other thing about Letterman, and this is definitely, this is part of it. In those early days, they looked for personalities. Like it, when the show wasn't established, he couldn't get big name Hollywood stars like he got later on. Right. So he, his, producers and shit were great they dug around the fringes they would have captain beefheart they would have frank zappa they would have brother theodore they would have you know wrestlers they he they went and found the most obscure and strange characters to keep that so in the early days his show really was amazing because you never really knew what what he was going to do and who would be on, you know, he had, you know, if you he had a lot of the first time I ever saw REM had no idea who they were was on Letterman's show. Like, oh, that's yeah, that's so sick, man. Yeah, we don't have anything like that anymore. And yeah, that's that's one thing that I, I kind of basically missed all of Letterman. Like he was still on TV when I was like growing up, but I was more into like Conan and stuff, you know. Sure, sure. Of yeah. Course. But I wish I would have been, I wish I would have been there for some prime David Letterman, like that, like that age Letterman, even if you, you watch some of his old standup, he's brilliant. He's such yeah, a good standup comedian. The stuff they did was just ridiculous. Like they, you know, it was, it was great. They would just throw things out the window and see what happened. Like there was, he had this big phase where he was just constantly throwing watermelons out the window and shit like that and <laughs> watching how they would explode or he would, he would often you know, they'd send them out live down below on the street, just talking to people like they did tons of crazy stuff in the early days. It was funny. Yeah, it was great. That's so sick. Anyway, yeah, 
we should put this to bed. Now, I don't know if anyone's, I wonder if anyone's actually stuck to the very end here and is still listening. If you are, <laughs> thank you very much. Uh, that's it. Thanks for jumping in for uh, Joe, Matt, and uh, we'll all be back again next week and uh, listen to Matt with Boris on the BAM show. And hey, he might show up on the Rampage show because yeah. who knows who's going who's gonna <laughs> to host that show. I think Rampage is live this week, too, from Jacksonville. So, yeah, that'll be fun. Oh, okay. Uh, also, Saturday night, we got Halloween Havoc, NXT Halloween Havoc. So, Boris and I are probably Sunday morning going to wake up, have a coffee, chat about that show, and then post a nice after-party podcast. So, nice. we're not going to be live on YouTube, but right. we are going to have a post show for you Sunday morning for Halloween Havoc. All right. There you have it. Uh, thanks, everybody, and we'll talk to you next time. So there you have it. That podcast can be delivered to you each and every week right into your inbox, along with all of our other podcasts from Sunday night's main event. We're not just on Sunday nights. We're on each and every day, and you can listen on demand. And along with our wrestling podcast, we also add in a weekly three-hour trivia show that I host on Terrestrial Radio across Canada. And we also add in Dan the Mouth Levransky. Well, he loves two things in life. One is wrestling, and the other is music. So we have Dr. Mouth's Rock and Roll Lunch Party for you each and every week as well. Because you know what, guys? There's more to life than wrestling. For all of these podcasts, sign up at patreon.com slash radio. Only $1 a week. Hey, it's a pretty good deal. Patreon.com slash SNME radio. Don't you dare miss it.